Jesus, you are bringing our hearts alive this morning. That passage of scripture, that song talks to us. And we proclaim that you are worthy. We proclaim it. Maybe not everybody else, but we do. The scriptures proclaim that it is. And the most important thing is the Father says he was worthy. Jesus is worthy to open the scroll. Open it. See the scriptures. And the one that is worthy to give his life for all of the sins of the world. You are worthy. And we proclaim that. Get ready to talk a little bit about the week that led up to your death and your resurrection. Help us today, Father God. Speak to us today. Lay on our hearts the faces of people who will be at our outreach and who will be joining us for breakfast and Easter resurrection service. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys. All right. Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Good, good, good. Grab this microphone up over here. Put that up there. I wonder if you ever thought about or imagined somebody like uh, in the form of Bill Gates. You know, uh, Bill Gates, he made a lot of money, and he made a lot of money with Microsoft. But what if somebody showed up on the scene and uh, he didn't make his money? He had something called old money. You know what that means? Old money. Just uh, extremely wealthy, inherited on and on and on. And the guy was brilliant. He showed up in America, and he was brilliant. And his brilliance and his money would almost make you think, you know, he could just hang out at home and be comfortable. He could just do whatever he wants, fly all over the world. But he had this, whatever you want to call it, his philanthropic heart. I don't even know if I could say that right. But he just cared about people. And he took his wealth, and he took his brilliance, and he created hospitals and medicines and developed hospitals that would solve and cure diseases and even create some situations where people who normally would have died didn't die. And he had this in his brilliance and his ability and his, and his finances to create a way to take a little bit of food and create tons of food from it and the guy shows up, and he has this prison reform. He, he, he takes this system into the prisons to reform people who were incarcerated, all to the point of this. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. The number of people who are rehabbed and get out of prison, like 90% of them end up back in prison. I'm not sure if I have the percentage right. It's something like that. I mean, here the guy shows up on the scene, and he reforms everything. He's seen just so differently, not exactly sure where he came from. And I have to think to myself, when Jesus showed up, there had to be something like that. Here is a guy who's touching people and healing them. Here is a guy, you know, you, you know he's got all the money in the world. His father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's touching people. He's healing people. He takes a few loaves of fish, a few loaves of bread and a couple fish, just a little bit, and feeds five and 10,000 people. This guy shows up on the scene, and he takes these people who were sinners and bad, maybe even people demon-possessed, and he drives them out never to be returned again to that prison. And so they're going to throw a parade for him. Could you turn to John, the 12th chapter? Take out your notes, pull out your cell phone, go to your uh, smartphone if you'd like to. The notes are right there on the, on the Bible app. They're going to throw a parade for them. Let me ask you a question. 
with a guy that came and did all of that, what could change their minds in about six days? What could cause them to say, you know what, I'm not, not really sure we, we, we want to have this parade for this guy. In your notes, I have the phrase, a death wish. Any of you seen the movie Death Wish? One, two, three, Death Wish, five, six, however many he's done. Yeah, Death Wish. You know the phrase, uh, uh, the, the guy has a death wish. You understand the thought of that. It's like, it's like a guy who, who sees a bunch of Hell's Angels motorcycles lined up and decides to kick them all over. The guy's got a death wish. And there's another thought of it is, how about a death wish is, how do you wish to die? How do you wish to die? Painful, you know, burned at a stake. I have a death wish. My death wish is to die in my sleep. Just close my eyes, wake up on the other side, no pain, no suffering, I have a death wish. And as I take a look here, and I take a look at this whole section here, I ask the Lord, Lord, we've done Palm Sunday, we've done this over and over, could you give me a new sight? Could you show me something different and around? I went to John, the 12th chapter. You just have the first couple verses. You need to go there on your Bible or on your phone. And I, what I saw was that there was death in the air. I saw several different places and ongoingly where there was death in the air. Let me give you four, maybe five different ways that you saw it there. See in your notes there, there's a variety of death. The first one, could you fill it in with me? The first one is the aroma of death. Now, folks, it is uh, Passover is coming. Passover, you know what Passover is in the Old Testament. It, it's, what, six days, it says here, six days before Passover. The Passover was the Jewish festival. People came from everywhere to have a festival. They were coming from everywhere. All Jews coming to different, and you'll see in a minute here, some Greeks were coming. And as they were coming together, and as they were coming in, in this place, and the Last Supper, the, the Passover, the Last Supper was coming together, but the Passover was... Just a continual yearly thing of the death angel who passed over all of the homes in Egypt who had sacrificed a lamb. And that is, maybe you never put that together, that's the Passover on the days that Jesus Christ is going to die, he's going to rise from the dead. Look at verse 1 of John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, very important place. The 11th chapter, Jesus is spending all kinds of time in Bethany. That was where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. I'm reading this, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, death is in the air. Here's a parade going on. Here's, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are brothers and sisters. They're siblings. Jesus had risen, and you'll see it here in a minute, Lazarus from, from the dead. And so they're having a dinner party. And, of course, you'd see in your notes that Judas speaks up and says, why are we wasting this? We could have sold it. We could have taken the money. He really didn't care about the poor. What he cared about was lining his own pockets. Verse 7. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my, here's another death word, burial. Death is in the air. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad death, but death is in the air several different places. And I look at this, and before Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, you go back and look at it, before 
Jesus had risen Lazarus from the dead, he shows up and there's Martha. And Martha proclaims, you are the Messiah. You are the one that we've been looking for before her brother is raised from the dead. Then he goes and finds, and Mary comes and sees him, and Mary gets on her, she falls at Jesus' feet. This, this is the second time in the scripture. She falls at his feet before her brother is raised from the dead, and she calls him Lord. I have a question. I have a thought in my mind. Did Mary possibly know that Jesus had to die? Because sure enough, Jesus was telling his disciples, and he kept telling them and telling them they didn't get it. Matter of fact, one of the times when he said it, Peter came and said, never is that going to happen to you. They just weren't getting it. Is it possible that Mary kind of got it? She saw something when she heard him speak it, because every one of you here know that when somebody says something, more often than not, a woman is likely to hear it rather than a man. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Is it possible she got it? I mean, folks, she pours this perfume out. We use perfume and cologne after we've washed up. We've washed up, we're really smelling pretty good. We'll just add a little bit more, right? Here they are in this day and age, they use perfume to anoint and cover the smell of a dead, rotting carcass, a body. And that's what they would work it into. And Mary, here she is, she covers the stink of death before Jesus is crucified. Maybe it's just the fact that Jesus said, we'll take this now because they couldn't get close to him at that time because it's so closely guarded. It was intended to take away the stink of a rotting carcass. That's what the whole purpose of it was. Jesus would take away the stink of death and the sting of the grave. Getting rid of some of the stink. According to several nurses that I know, when a patient gets close to passing away, there's a smell. And sometimes is there. I'm not exactly sure because of some of the uh, organs that are shutting down or whatever it is. There's a smell that is there. And oftentimes the nurse will say, they're close to death now. They may go tell the family, you need to get in there now. Wouldn't it be nice if the stink or the smell of sin was on us while we were alive? You walk up to somebody, hey, Kevin, man, man you stink, man. You must be a bad sinner. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to smell the stink of sin while we're alive? And then, I walk up, hey, Doug, man, you're smelling pretty good. Did you get saved? Because Jesus and resurrection, the blood of Jesus washes them free. Death was in the air this day, that's for sure. Who benefited from this fragrance? Uh, you know, uh, and I readily admit, maybe she's doing this possibly just to say thanks to Jesus for raising her brother from the dead, for bringing him back to life. I get it. But who benefits this day? Well, first of all, Jesus benefits. You know, anoints his feet. He, it's this wonderful cooling sensation. Probably had some uh, spearmint in it or something. Give it that little tingling, you know. And then Mary, she uses her hair. Mike, you and I'd be lost, man. She uses her hair to wipe it and take it off. So she's walking around. Her hair smells like it's got, you know, the latest, greatest shampoo in it. And the Bible says the entire house was filled with the fragrance. Who's all benefiting? And we ask ourselves the question, who benefits from Jesus' stink? Who benefits from the sting that Jesus took? That's what 
this church is all about. And that's what next week is all about. We're set and we're primed and the stone is there, but I promise you the stone will be rolled away. In the scriptures it was rolled away. It'll be rolled away here. Who benefits from Jesus defeating the stink of sin? All who will come to him. And we are praying for some of those people to be here next week. A rotting carcass stinks pretty bad. A rotten singer, sinner will stink for eternity. And the picture of anointing perfume on Jesus' body conveys this aroma of death. Number two, there's the plan of death. I was reading this and I came across this plan of death. A lot of you know that Lazarus, he died. And he died probably of sickness or whatever it might have been. And they would have loved for him to get there early enough to have healed him before he had to die. But Jesus He had a plan. But then there's this other plan. Maybe you've never noticed it. The chief priests, they had a plan. Take a look at verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Death is in the air. Everywhere I'm looking, I'm seeing the Spirit showing me there's death. And this is exactly what Jesus was hoping for. People whom Jesus had touched who had become a living testament. And others were coming to Jesus because of them. And I hope that that's the way it is with you and me. That's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be a living testament. So, verse 10. The chief priest made a plan to kill Lazarus as well. Oh, they had a plan and they're going to change this crowd and they're going to make sure Jesus gets crucified. It's what's going to be yelled. But did you know that there was another plan they had? to make sure that Lazarus was killed as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus, believing in him. The chief priests not only intended to kill Jesus, but they were going to take out Lazarus as well. Now, just so you know, you ask yourself the question, what is the problem with the chief priests? I mean, Jesus has done everything he's done up to this point. Now he's raised somebody from the dead. He's winning. Lazarus is winning. Martha and Mary, they're winning. And I, I don't know about you, I, I notice sometimes people don't like winners. I, I, I've been a Bill Belichick fan since the time he was with the Cleveland Browns. Ask any of my relatives. I saw what he was doing. I liked the way he coached. I like winners. I, I asked people this last week, you know, this last Super Bowl, you know. Dave and I, we were the only Patriots fans. I said, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Anybody but the Patriots. Why? They win all the time. That's the third one that we got here. I don't like the Yankees. They win too much. Take that, Pastor Dale. I don't like the Yankees. They win too much. What don't they like about this winner? What don't they like about defeating death, about somebody coming back? I I know because of Lazarus' experience with Jesus, he was hated, and you and I get it sometimes, and sometimes it's the same for you and me, right? Sometimes people don't like us because of you know they don't make a plan to kill us they just make their plans without us you all right they'll make their plan oh we used to i used to hang out in all kinds of places with all kinds of different people you know and all of a sudden they stopped inviting me they made plans without me and you got some people making plans without you because when you show up they just you are this like second corinthians 2 uh, 16 You're the stink of death to them. 
But then there's others that have come to know Christ because of us. To see both sides of this? There's some that are coming because of Lazarus, and then there's some that are planning to kill. And who is coming because of you? Folks, we're going to open the altar. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end of our service today. I've been praying, asking the Lord to put in your minds and little pictures of people popping up in your hearts and minds. Who is it that you want to see come to know Jesus Christ? Maybe you can see some people who will be here for the outreach next week. Who will not just come Easter 2019 and go away the same. Who will come and be different? Who do you want to bring to the altar today? At Lazarus' tomb, there was one reason they gave for not raising Jesus from the dead. Like, no, you sure you want to do that? What is the wording I got here? By this time, there's a bad odor. By this time, there's a bad odor. He's like, you know, to some, we are the, 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 dread of, 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 of a dead, rotting carcass. And to others, this passage of Scripture says we are the life-giving perfume. To those perishing, one thing. On account of me and you, is anybody coming over to Jesus? On account of Lazarus, the Jews were coming over to Jesus. Is anybody coming over to Jesus because of you and me? Jesus had a plan for Lazarus' death. He had a plan and he had a time. The chief priests had a plan for Lazarus' death. And the father had a plan for his son's death. It would be to redeem us. Oh, yeah. In this time, in this day, Palm Sunday, there is death in the air. Number three, there's the defeat of death. Now it's five days before the Passover. Prophecy is being fulfilled. A crowd is there. They saw Jesus. They saw what Jesus had done, having raised... Uh, Lazarus out of the tomb, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd, could you mark that there? Now it's talking about a great crowd. There's a great crowd of people that are coming now. They're coming from all over the place. That had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what we were singing this morning, Hosanna. Mark this down, Psalm 118. You read Psalm 118, this is being fulfilled so many other passages of scripture that you know are found in Psalm 118. Then a prophecy comes from Zechariah 9.9. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. And as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming. Seated on a donkey's colt, not even on a grown one, just a small little donkey. Can you picture what that is like? You ever ride a donkey without a saddle? You ever ride a little one? I mean, that, that was not a graceful thing. I just can't imagine it. And it's not like, la, 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 la. Verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, there's, there's a death word right there, and raised him from the dead, death was in the air, continued to spread the word. I just want to say to you, this goes on and says there's a great crowd. As a Christian, I don't know where you are in your walk, young, growing, mature, be careful of the crowd you follow. Here's a great crowd here. Seems like they're all doing everything that's right. You know, they follow Jesus for a lot of wrong reasons. Here he raised somebody from the dead. And in a, less than a week, several days, they're going to change their minds. They're going to change their minds. Watch the crowd that you follow as a Christian. There's always some new, young Christian here today, there's always some new thing that's going on. There's always some latest and greatest Toronto revival over here and this going on over there. 
be careful, because I have, in the 27 years I've been in ministry, people come and say, do you know what's going on over there? God's really moving over this, that, the other, you know? And just about the time you get there, that crowd's moved on. They moved on to something else, some other big, great thing, some other emotional experience. And I appreciate Pastor Dale at Bible study last week. He said it doesn't matter how high you raise your hand and how much you dance during worship on Sunday. It's when your feet hit the ground and you're in the doldrums of everyday life. Hopefully walking in the Spirit. That is where, we, that is where the power of God is seen. That is where the power and the anointing of God is seen in our everyday lives. At, G- at Lazarus raising from the dead, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, though they die, yet they will live. People are always concerned. They're always afraid. He says, don't be afraid. What are people afraid of Jesus for? They're afraid of what he's going to take away. People are always afraid of what he's going to take away. If I follow Jesus, I've got to stop doing this. He's going to take that away from me. And some of it is some practical things. Others of it has to go because Boy, before I came to know Christ, I enjoyed my sin. What Jesus took away is one focus. What Jesus brings is the focus that we need to make sure that we have our focus. What he brings, the eternal life that he brings, the peace in the heart, the eternal life that you and I get, not when we die, when we're born again. It is a prerequisite to come to know Christ in this life. Nothing in the life after this can get you into heaven. It's Jesus, and it's Jesus now. There's that crowd, and be careful of that crowd there, because the crowd is not always the converted. The crowd is not. You may be here today. You may enjoy the crowd on Sunday morning. Don't mean you're converted. And if you want to talk in any way, shape, or form, if you've got enough religion, just enough to just kind of like get you so used to it, I would like to talk to you this week. My information is everywhere. You get a chance, let's talk. Are you concerned that you just kind of got religious and you just kind of maybe backslid or you just never really got it? There's a crowd there. They're not necessarily converted. Jesus demonstrates ahead of his death that just like Lazarus, he can defeat death. Number four. Here is the reproduction of death. Now, verse 20, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. Here it is again. Last week, we had uh, an Ethiopian eunuch, and he was from uh, 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 the uh, Gentile background. He went up to worship at Jerusalem. Here are some Greeks, and they have a question. Interesting enough, they go to Philip. Philip was the one that was with uh, the Ethiopian last week. Philip talks to Andrew, and they bring this request. They went up. They wanted to see Jesus. Verse 21. I'm sorry, if 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Well, yeah, that's why we want to see him. We want to talk to him. Oh, yeah, the whole, everybody loves the glory. Very truly, Jesus goes on and says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus goes on to tell us how important it is that We don't win at this life. We don't live at this life. We die in this life, therefore we will live for eternity. Jesus makes a statement that everybody knows is true. I uh, spent a couple years in Kansas. You take a a little seed of wheat and you plant it. And amazing, let's just use the word how glorified it ends up once it dies. 
grows up into a stalk, and, and I saw acres of them with the wind blowing. You know, they're three, four foot, five foot, and they're just blowing in the wind. One little seed dies. Jesus says it's the same in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual world. You have to die. You have to come, you become less. He becomes greater. Jesus is going to actually mimic it for us here. If Jesus dies and rises from the dead, he's going to bring many souls to the Father, and that is going to glorify God. My father-in-law, Maria's uh, dad, is always telling me, I mean, he must have told me 20 times since I've known him, you ever see an ear of corn? I'm not going to use his accent because he's a Slovenian. (laughs) You ever see this ear of corn? You plant one kernel into the ground, and one kernel of corn turns into a cob. One kernel turns into a cob. And on that cob, the estimated number, depending on size, is 800 additional kernels. I know you're all going to do it. You're going to go home and you're going to count it. One, two, yeah. 800. I, I didn't think so either, but I, but I did do some counting. A kernel of corn turns into a cob, something totally different. And I love the fact that Jesus used this picture of something small. A kernel, just almost like nothing. Because I know that there's some people here today, you just think, you know, there's all these big shots and these pastors and these people with these up on stage and worship. And you're just sitting here, you don't realize or know that Jesus sees you and he knows. You're just a kernel. You feel like small potatoes. Just, you're just little. And the only way that you can do something wonderful and great is to die. Because God doesn't start with big shots. God starts with a kernel. Something small. Somebody willing to say, here am I. Send me. Somebody willing to die. Those are the ones who reproduce continually, ongoingly. That is the death that reproduces life. The death that reproduces life. Jesus' death reproduced the church and many souls. You and I must continuously die to grow spiritually our church and the lost and our people around the world. Who is it that is in your mind today that you want to see come to know Jesus Christ? The top of your, uh, in your notes there I have the phrase death with a purpose, right? Because death has a purpose. Do you know that your as the situation is right now, we don't have to get into theology, that your spirit, your soul, can never disconnect from you and head on into eternity to find a new glorified body until your physical body dies. There's a purpose for your physical death. Jesus taught we could produce life while we live if we die. There's a purpose for our death. It's to reproduce life. This church comes together with all of our gifts. Saturday we'll be here. Friday, be here for a time of prayer. Just come. The doors will be open, what, noon to seven, something like that? Noon to seven, just come out. Spend some time in prayer. In your notes, that's why I put this in there for you. The last thing there, the asterisk, the the necessity of death. There is the necessity of death. Verse 27, Jesus said, and now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Now, Jesus knew he was going to die physically, and I get it. Some of us, when we decide, when we get a glimpse of God wants us to die to self and what that means to you, you could be a little troubled 
and you have to wrestle through it. That's okay. You're in good company. Jesus was a little troubled. He was going to have to die. He was a little troubled, but he said, but the reason of this is so I could reproduce life. And that's the reason for you and for me. Without the death of Jesus, there's no hope for sinners. Without the death of Christians to self, there's no reproduction of Christian life. So I ask you today, the, Dan is going to come this morning. They're going to close with a song. We're going to prepare our hearts. And then I ask Pastor Dale to come and close in prayer. You know, what are you going to do? Oh, come to the altar, Dan? Is that what we're going to do? All right. So um, as you get ready to come to the altar today, I got a question for you. Who are you just dying to see come to Jesus Christ? Who are you just dying to see come to Jesus? You come to the altar today and consider the words of Jesus. You know, in, in that great story, one of the greatest stories in the Bible about Lazarus, in um, uh, John the 11th chapter, he, he comes in verse 44, John eleven forty four. It says the dead man, referring to Lazarus, he comes out. It says his hands are wrapped. His mouth is wrapped. His head is wrapped. His feet are wrapped. And Jesus speaks. Jesus doesn't take him off. Interesting. The passage of Scripture literally says the dead man came out and Jesus said to them. You hear that? Jesus said to them, as Jesus says to you and me, take their Take his grave clothes off and let him go. Take his grave clothes off and let him go. Who is it that you want to see their grave clothes come off? Who is it that you want to bring to the altar today? Who is it that you are just dying to see them come to Christ? And I know at our outreach there will be some people here we don't see or know any of those people. But what we need is a spirit of hospitality here. People say, man, we know they are Christians by their love. We'll be here thinking and caring about people. Take off the grave clothes and let them go. We've had our grave clothes removed. Is there somebody that will come into your shop? Every one of you had an invitation sitting on your uh, seat. There's more back there. Who are you dying to see come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Folks, death was in the air on Palm Sunday, but Jesus was going to crush it. You come to the altar as the Holy Spirit leads you. If you want to hit those lights back there, thanks. Before we pray for next Sunday and Saturday, I believe the Lord would be pleased if we tarried a moment to ask you, have you made a decision for Jesus Christ? This service may have been just for you, and Pastor Evan preached a message just for you. You need to accept Christ as your Savior, and for the first time maybe in your life, celebrate Easter Resurrection Sunday knowing that he is alive. Before I pray, is there anyone here with just your hand raised would like to indicate, I need to become a Christian, I need to get saved, and I want to do that this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, I guarantee you. Is there anyone here in that situation? You need to get saved this morning, you, you need to make a commitment to Christ. Maybe you're backslidden, you've turned back on the Lord, 
You've become the prodigal son. You need to come back this morning. Would you raise your hand that we might pray for you? Anyone? Heavenly Father, we know you love us. We know you love our friends, our neighbors, our family members, the people who we care a burden for. I know, Lord, that there's a lot of lost people in the world. There's a lot of ungodliness, and it seems like so many don't care. It's easy to get discouraged. But then, Lord, I become aware that there have been those other times in history when it seemed the same, and you broke on the scene, and Holy Spirit-anointed revival hit America, hit England, hit Ireland. Now, Lord, you're doing wonderful things in Africa, in Australia, New Zealand. But, Father, here we are in Leroy, Ohio. Family and friends who surround us in all of our cities, Lake and Jaga County. And Father, we're praying for them at this altar this morning. We're praying for those, Lord, whom you put a burden on our heart for. We're grateful that we have that opportunity to pray for them. We're grateful that we're close enough to them to think about them. But we're desperately in need of your anointing upon their lives. We're desperately in need of your anointing upon our outreach event next Saturday. Lord God, we so much want to reach them for you next Sunday. May we celebrate your resurrection so convincingly that any doubter who might meander into the room would come away with the absolute convincement that you are alive. Father, we pray for them. In my spirit, Lord, I believe you have some in this room right now. They know they're not where they need to be with you. And I'm not going to point them out, Lord, but I have them on my heart right now. I pray for them. Pray for that man or that woman who's in this room right now, Lord Jesus. And they've heard this message. And they've sat there and maybe thought a little bit about someone else, only to come back to the realization that they are that man and they are that woman. Lord God, I pray. I believe in your will that they will not go to sleep tonight without having that conviction turn into repentance and result in their salvation. Lord, bless these, your folks that have come out today. They're gathered around this altar as your followers. Thank you for the message from Pastor Evan. God, might your anointing be upon us this week that we might be truly ambassadorial in all of our actions towards those who are lost. And simultaneously, may we treat each other as we should as brothers and sisters in Christ, that in this week, in this area, everybody will know whose we are, who we worship, and why we believe that you are alive. For we ask it in your precious name, Lord Jesus, and we're thankful for the Holy Ghost's presence here today. And Father, we believe wherever the Son and the Spirit are present, you also are here. So we worship you and we pray in the name of the Trinity today. May you be pleased and glorified, we ask. And everyone who agreed, would you say an amen? Thank you.